Welcome to the show. Is Roe versus Wade done? Is this the beginning of the end of the worst Supreme Court decision in American history since Dredd versus Scott? We think it may be. It is Monday, May 2nd, 9.15 p.m., By the time you are listening to this, if you were the first listeners, it will still be the night of Monday, May 2nd, Pacific Time in California. According to Politico.com, some Supreme Court clerk has allegedly leaked the first draft of the justices' opinions on the Dobbs versus Jackson Women's Health Organization lawsuit, which you know about if you listen to the show. That's the Mississippi 15-week abortion ban called the Gestational Age Act, okay? Roe versus Wade, Doe versus Bolton decided in 1973 did not allow states to ban abortion before fetal viability. 15 weeks is much before fetal viability. So if they allow the Mississippi Gestational Age Act abortion ban to stand, that is an overturning of Roe versus Wade. The decision is expected in June. It is Monday, May 2nd. But for the first time in American history, the Supreme Court justices' early drafts and writings have been leaked to the public before the decision has been made public. Politico.com covering this, releasing this, breaking this 98-page first draft document. This is unprecedented. We're going to talk about what the hell is going on as the gates of hell are shuddering when Christians and common sense conservatives and pro-lifers begin to tear down the high places of Moloch, the real god of the religion of secular progressivism. Buckle up. These are strange times. I'm Seth Gruber, and this is Unaborted. Welcome to the show this evening. We are going to flip this episode very quick, which is why if you are up late Pacific time, okay, specifically on the West Coast, you may be listening to this 60 minutes from when I am recording this. Now, if not, you're catching this Tuesday morning, May 3rd. This is absolutely bonkers. However, not all that strange because... If I have been right about anything, (laughs) then I have been telling you for years that abortion is the high sacrament of the religion of secular progressivism. When we say, if you don't get the right to life right, you won't get any other rights right, the left has an antonym of that statement, right? They have like the inversion of that statement, which is if we can get the right to life wrong, invert the right to life, convince the American public that removing the right to life from 65 million babies in the womb is actually justice. It's actually reproductive health care, actually. It's just women's rights. And then we can get the Christians to stay silent about the abuse of that first and most fundamental of all rights. Then there's nothing else we can't pull off. (laughs) You see, abortion is the centerpiece of secular progressivism. It's how they prop up their liberal regime, the liberal establishment. I don't think it's an exaggeration to say that the entire liberal regime is built on the mutilated bodies of 65 million unborn children. It's how they justify all of their other forward movements of the secular moral revolution, of their tyranny, because those who kill children cannot be trusted to help children or anyone else. 
So why would we be surprised that some pro-abortion kooky hack who clerks for one of the Supreme Court justices got their hands on the first drafts of the Dobbs versus Jackson Women's Health Organization Supreme Court justices writings and leaks it to Politico? Why would we be surprised when this is their identity, right? Because what is the identity of leftists, of, of leftism writ large? It's sex, their sexual identity, right? But they demand orgasms without responsibility. Orgasms without responsibility. What would be the responsibility, potentially, of an orgasm? Uh, a baby, a baby, right? So they say, uh, consent to sex is not consent to pregnancy. I can consent to the orgasm, but not the baby. No, you can't. One is intrinsically, biologically linked to the other, to procreation. They have to separate that. That's their identity, right? So they're losing their ever-loving minds. They're losing their freaking minds. And I've been telling you this for years. What was every Chiron and headline at the activist media outlets every time a Supreme Court seat opened up during the Trump administration. Roe versus Wade, every freaking time. But, but the left cares about transgender bathroom laws and drug laws and guns and the border and, and, and making sure Trump doesn't build his wall and all these, they care about all of these things, yet what do they unite around every time the Supreme Court seat opens up? Abortion, because it's the centerpiece of secular progressivism. So this shouldn't actually surprise us. So Politico writing, this piece was released today, May 2nd, Monday, by Josh Gerstein and Alexander Ward. This initial draft majority opinion written by Justice Samuel Alito circulated inside the court and obtained by Politico. The draft opinion is a full-throated, unflinching repudiation of the 1973 decision, praise God, which guaranteed federal constitutional protections of abortion rights and a subsequent 1992 decision, this was a year after I was born, Planned Parenthood v. Casey, that largely maintained the right, okay? Planned Parenthood v. Casey, remember, it was from that decision that we got Anthony Kennedy's strange mystery line where he said, at the heart of liberty is the right to define one's own concept of existence, of meaning, of the universe and of the mystery of human life. At the heart of liberty is the right to define reality. In other words, is what Anthony Kennedy said. Exactly, because if you can define freaking reality to f mean whatever you want it to mean, then why not define an entire class of human beings as, well, to quote the Nazis, untermensch, subhuman, not full persons, not really one of us. Samuel Alito writes, okay, in this first draft, that, again, this has never happened in American history, that the Supreme Court justices' opinions and early drafts get released before they release them. Alito writes, Roe was egregiously wrong from the start. We hold that Roe and Casey must be overruled. Beautiful. Absolutely. He goes on and says, the Constitution makes no reference to abortion, and no such right is implicitly protected by any constitutional provision including the one on which the defenders of Roe and Casey now chiefly rely, the Due Process Clause of the 14th Amendment. Now, this is interesting. If you listen to the show regularly, we just had Dr. Brent Bowles on the show, our in-house OBGYN, if you will, and we talked about why Ketanji Brown-Jackson was only nominated by Biden because she promises to lynch more black babies in the womb, because she supports 
abortion. And yet many academics and lawyers who are on the radical left, like Ketanji Jackson, argue for the right to abortion within the 14th Amendment, which was the repudiation of Dred Scott, which declared that blacks were not persons. Right? So it's, it's, it's bonkers that they have the gall and, and, the, and the blind spots, except I would say they're not blind spots. They know exactly what they're doing, to argue that the very amendment that corrected the faulty belief that some humans are not persons is now being appealed to to argue that some humans are not persons. It's just a new victim class, the unborn child not being a person. And it's a new woke litmus test or criteria that the secular progressive movement demands that their victim class must meet before they're granted with the status of personhood, right? But it's always a new litmus test, and it's always arbitrary. Skin color, intellect, religion, ethnicity, sex, and with the unborn, it's their size, their level of development, their location, and their dependency on their mother. But they're all arbitrary because the unborn child differs from us in the same ways we differ from one another. So Samuel Alito is hitting it right on the head here. He's saying that... The Constitution provides no appeal to the right to an abortion, including the one on which the defenders of Roe and Casey now chiefly relied, the 14th Amendment. He says the provision has been held to guarantee some rights that are not mentioned in the Constitution, but any such right must be, quote, deeply rooted in this nation's history and tradition and implicit in the concept of ordered liberty. Well, the right to liberty and property and pursuit of happiness don't mean much. In fact, they mean nothing at all if you can be killed. And if you listen to the Dobbs versus Jackson Women's Health Supreme Court hearings last year, last fall, I believe, or was that earlier this year? <laughs> I've been traveling too much. I'm all mixed up with my dates. They asked the lawyers representing the state of Mississippi, or rather representing abortion rights groups that sued the state of Mississippi, they asked them, where to the, does the right to abortion come from? Where is this right found? <laughs> and they can't answer the question. As Hadley Arcus, the brilliant natural law scholar and uh, founder at the James Wilson Institute for Natural Rights once said, that if the right to abortion is a positive right, a legal right, that exists only insofar as the government grants that right, then the abortion advocate cannot really complain if the state does not permit her an abortion, for the same government that can grant rights can take them away. But then Arcus says, however, if abortion is a natural right, a right that springs from our nature as human beings, then the abortion advocate had that right from the moment she began to exist the moment of conception. So we are left with an amusing paradox. According to the logic of abortion advocates, unborn women do not have a right to life, but they do have a right to an abortion. <laughs> Welcome to the la-la land of secular progressivism, where unborn female babies don't have a right to life, but they have a right to an abortion because abortion's a natural right, which means it's a right you had from the moment you became a human being. Oh, follow the science back to when did you become a human being? The moment of conception. So this is why they can't answer the question, where is the right to abortion found? So Samuel Alito is hitting the nail right on the head. He says it's time to heed the Constitution and return the issue of abortion to the people's elected representatives. Now, a true conservative, a true pro-lifer must say that true justice will not be achieved 
until abortion is made illegal at the federal level. For example, Stephen Douglas, who ran against Abraham Lincoln for the 1860 election, Stephen Douglas was personally opposed to slavery. <laughs> he was personally against it, right? But he believed that each state, each state should have the right to, quote, vote it up or down, Stephen Douglas said. Vote it up or down. Let's leave it to the states to decide. <laughs> hey, man, hey, if New York doesn't want to lynch black people and treat them like property, hey, that's fine. But, you know, if Alabama wants to lynch black people and treat them like cattle, that's fine, too. Now, we would say, no, that's not fine. Hence the 14th Amendment, right? Hence, actually, there are some rights that you cannot call rights. There are some things you cannot do as a state if it violates those first and most fundamental of all rights that the entire republic is built upon, namely the right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. So if Roe versus Wade is overturned, it goes back to the states. That's a huge victory. Millions of babies will be saved in the process. Over 13 states are poised to enact abortion bans, okay? But that's not true justice until every human being has their right to life protected in the womb. Samuel Alito continues and says, the reasoning in Roe was exceptionally weak and the decision has had damaging consequences. And far from bringing about a national settlement of the abortion issue, Roe and Casey have inflamed debate and deepened division. Oh, of course, we've never seen our country more divided before than in the last year or so, and certainly under the Trump administration, when states started enacting more pro-life legislation and we got more pro-life justices on the Supreme Court. Politico continues and says, a person familiar with the court's deliberations said that four of the other Republican-appointed justices, Clarence Thomas, Neil Gorsuch, Brett Kavanaugh, and Amy Coney Barrett, had voted with Alito, so that's five total, in the conference held among the justices after hearing oral arguments in December, and that lineup remains unchanged as of this week, meaning you would be right now looking at a 5-4 decision to overturn Roe versus Wade. Of course, the three Democratic-appointed justices, Stephen Breyer, Sonia Sotomayor, and Elena Kagan, would be ruling to uphold it. And Chief Justice John Roberts, which should be a curse word in the mouths of conservatives and pro-lifers today, a squishy, would-be alleged conservative who stabs American citizens and unborn children in particular in the back whenever he can do so to remain getting accolades from the secular culture, will likely side with the court's liberals, although I hope and pray that I am wrong. Chief Justice Roberts will ultimately vote, and whether he will join an already written opinion or draft his own is unclear. It says Politico received a copy of the draft opinion from a person familiar with the court's proceedings <laughs> in the Mississippi case, along with other details supporting the authenticity of the document. Okay, so what in the world is going on? Okay, this has never happened before. Now, we know why a Supreme Court clerk would leak this document. And I think you probably think you know why as well, if you are in tune with these issues, in order to create chaos, in order to create chaos. Whoever leaked this document is doing so with the intention of inciting riots in the street. Full stop. That's the point. I have been saying for the last two years that if Roe versus Wade is overturned, you will see riots in the street that make the... George Floyd mostly peaceful riots of 2020 actually look mostly peaceful. I've been saying this for two years now. 
because we'd be tearing down the high places of Moloch, the sacrifice of children, people, persons, babies on the altar of our pursuit of happiness, of our liberty, of our bodily autonomy. You begin to tear that down, this, this, this demon that the secular culture has become so dependent on to demand orgasms without responsibility and career upward mobility without any distractions or hindrance, you begin to tear that down. You're contending for the very soul of the republic itself. This is why this person leaked this document. Make no mistake about it. They want riots in the street. Why? Why, 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 why? Because that puts pressure and fear into the hearts of some of the Supreme Court justices who are planning to overturn Roe versus Wade so that they won't overturn Roe versus Wade. Duh! That's your hot take right there. Anyone who claims to have any other hot take on this question has their head so far up their own rectum, it's coming out their face again. There's no other primary takeaway to answer the question, why would this alleged individual, who's obviously a Supreme Court clerk and had access to this information, or someone who gave it to someone else, okay? Why would they release this? This is obviously why. Now, Samuel Alito has, is really hitting it out of the park uh, in this first draft here and, and uh, in hitting the nail on the head, not pulling any punches as to how flawed Roe versus Wade actually is. Alito writes, Roe expressed the feeling that the 14th Amendment was the provision that did the work, did the work of what? Of justifying abortion. But its message seemed to be that the abortion right could be found somewhere in the Constitution and that specifying its exact location was not of paramount importance. <laughs> right? We don't need to actually explain where it is because it's actually kind of hard to explain where it is because obviously it's not in the Constitution. It's in the penumbras, right? It's somewhere in there. I don't know. This is the problem with legal positivism, that you can just write in your political views into legislation. Alito, uh, uh, so Politico writes here, Alito's use of the phrase egregiously wrong to describe Roe echoes language Mississippi Solicitor General Scott Stewart used in December in defending his state's ban on abortions after 15 weeks of pregnancy. The phrase was also contained in an opinion Kavanaugh wrote as a part of a 2020 ruling that jury convictions in criminal cases must be unanimous. In that opinion, Kavanaugh labeled two well-known Supreme Court decisions egregiously wrong when decided. Egregiously wrong when decided. So th what they're getting at here is this idea of stare decisis. In fact, um, Chief Ju uh, Ju Justice John Roberts in 2020, I think, or 2021, I think it was 2020, on the Louisiana law that was going to require abortionists to have admitting privileges at local hospitals— in other words, abortionists had to have the same medical standards as any other ambulatory surgical center. So pretty basic and straightforward. The problem is Louisiana pro-abortion advocates knew that their abortionists in Louisiana could not meet the medical requirements that every other surgeon was held to because they had some freaking ophthalmologists. Yes, ophthalmologists performing abortions in Louisiana who were not licensed as physicians or doctors are licensed to perform abortions, so they knew that it was going to decrease the abortion rate. Well, when John Roberts decided to be the vote that struck down the Louisiana law, 
he argued that he did so because of stare decisis, this idea of standard, right? This idea that we need to appeal to similar cases that have been argued uh, in similar ways in order to create precedent, legal precedents, such that the American people can trust the judicial process because we're not just ruling on a whim, we're appealing to historical precedent and that creates accountability, right? That's the whole point of stare decisis. And John Roberts argued that he had to strike down the Louisiana law, okay? Because even though he agreed with it, he had struck down a similar law in Texas versus Hellerstedt several years ago. So this is a very strange argument because the contention is that if a case was ever ruled on in a certain way, and we have a future case that is very similar, we ought to rule the same way. But that assumes that bad decisions should not be overruled. To always appeal to, to precedent and stare decisis doesn't hold water if you believe that Dredd versus Scott ought to have been overturned, that there were some decisions that were egregiously wrong from the beginning. And that's what Kavanaugh is saying here and what Politico is saying is that Kavanaugh wrote in another decision that, quote, two Supreme Court justices wrote that, quote, these decisions were egregiously wrong when decided, in which case they ought to be overturned. And what other decision could, been, could have been more egregiously wrong from the beginning than Roe versus Wade? One more point from Alito here. Um, and then we are going to get a special guest onto the show here um, to report from on-the-ground happenings at the Supreme Court tonight, Monday, May 2nd, which is 12.35 a.m. Eastern Time in Washington, D.C. But Alito has been right on the money. And I want to finish with this before we go to my friend A.J. Hurley in Washington, D.C. at the Supreme Court. Samuel Alito writes, we cannot allow our decisions to be affected by any extraneous influences such as concern about the people's reaction to our work. Come on. Now's the test, Alito. Now's the test. Because your writing just got leaked and the entire secular culture is losing their ever-loving freaking minds. And so you're going to have concern from the public and their reaction to your work. Are you ready to stand the ground? Alito writes, we do not pretend to know how our political system or society will respond to today's decision overruling Roe and Casey. And even if we could foresee what will happen, we would have no authority to let that knowledge influence our decision. Perfect. Go, Samuel Alito. And now you better stay the ground. Stay the course. Now is the testing of your language, the testing of your moral fiber, the testing of your conservative ethic grounded in natural rights, natural law, and the principles that founded this republic because the pressure and the influencing of the public is going to bear down upon you unlike anything the Supreme Court has ever felt. The Democrats have never been this mad since Abraham Lincoln freed their slaves. We are now going on the ground to Washington, D.C. on the steps of the Supreme Court with our good friend A.J. Hurley, the executive director of Survivors of the Abortion Holocaust and one of the primary activists behind Justice for the Five, 
and the infants who were clearly murdered through partial birth abortion at the Washington, D.C. Surgery Clinic, one of 15 abortion clinics in Washington, D.C., murdered by Cesare Santangelo, who has murdered probably hundreds of thousands of unborn children in the 17 years that he's been an abortionist. We had A.J. Hurley on the show recently to discuss justice for the five. A.J., welcome to the show, oh, brother. No, Hey, buddy, this is unbelievable out here, man. Uh, it is almost 1 a.m., 12.40 a.m., um, and un- there is, Seth, there is thousands, thousands of people out here. I've never seen anything like this so last minute. This is unbelievable. Well, we are so glad that you are on the ground right now, AJ, and, and we're going to send up a prayer to God right now that the connection will remain stable. Uh, why don't you pan around a little bit, show us everyone there, um, sure. and, and tell us what is going on right now. So uh, right now, um, it is unbelievably crazy. There are, I, I would imagine, probably about 4,000 people out here right now. Let me, let me turn this camera around so I can try to show you what's happening. I don't know if I can do that, but let me just, I don't know if you can see. Wow. Literally thousands of people out here. Wow. Championing the right to kill their babies. Oh my gosh. And, uh, so um, it is just getting violent. Uh, um, two two pro life people were just uh, totally struck to the ground and trampled on by about uh, 20 angry pro aborts, uh, Antifa wow. looking people. And uh, man, I, I've never seen anything like this. Um, first of all, the, the uh, this whole what brought this about is un- unbelievable treachery, right? So basically, what's happened to bring us right here right now was someone. I don't know if it's a staffer. I don't know if it's a uh, a clerk. Somebody leaked this 98 page uh, yep. Supreme Court decision of the Dogs decision, um, and in order to overturn Roe, and um, in order to bring enough pressure on these. Uh, justices to flip their decision, right? As you know, now, between any time and now and June, or any time this decision comes out, any of these justice, Supreme Court justices can flip their decision. So the idea is, if we get this information out that Roe is going to be overturned, we can put as much pressure on these justices to flip their decision and and threaten them by any means possible. Um, That's right. Nothing like this has ever happened, to my understanding, is completely unprecedented in the in the Supreme Court history. Nothing like this has ever been leaked. So that's pretty, right. Pretty big and, news. And you know, AJ, um, we uh, we just gave a background on everything that's happening. But you may, re- may remember with with um, the Louisiana case um, that was going to require abortionists to meet the same requirements as other ambulatory surgical centers. You had Chuck Schumer on the steps of the Supreme Court saying, Kavanaugh, Gorsuch, we know who you are. We know where you are, and you won't know what hits you. You won't know what hits you. So we have had Chuck Schumer and others basically publicly threaten sitting members of the Supreme Court if they don't rule in favor of lynching babies in the womb. So this is nothing new. Chuck Schumer and Nancy Pelosi have already gone on CNN to release some of their statements 
Um, I couldn't find the live clip, but Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer said that this would be the greatest restriction of rights in the past 50 years. Not just on women, but on all Americans. I guess they know what a woman is now, AJ. Um, but this is, this is the fulfillment of the wishes of Chuck Schumer and others who have for years condoned violence and chaos in the streets if abortion is compromised. And the goal here is to put pressure on these Supreme Court justices to flip their vote. So, um, what, what are, so beyond the pro-lifers who are being attacked, have you spoken to anyone else on the ground? I'm so sorry, brother. I, I missed a lot of that. It's really breaking up. There's so much craziness going on here, and the cell reception is not good, especially when the large crowds are growing up. But, but basically, I mean, to your point, 100% correct. Like, so all bets are off. You're not going to play fair when, when, when babies, when, when you have the type of policy that you can kill up to any age uh, and, and gestational age possible. You know, the fact that you're going to uh, uphold standards of integrity in reference to uh, leaking a case or not leaking a case or, or, or you know, playing by the rules in terms of uh, when and how the standards of, of, of you know, justice and equity and uh, the standards of the legal process here, you know, you, there's, there's no, all bets are off. There's no way that they, the people, the very people who are going to um, want full access unlimited access to killing babies in the womb are actually going to have up, um, upstanding standards of morality in, in reference to, um, you know, upholding justice. And so and bringing this for, case forth. So, you know, it's a, it's, it's a very smart, although immoral, it's a very smart tactical play on their per, uh, behalf. And it, right. you know, it doesn't surprise me to one to one little bit. AJ, I am getting I am getting breaking news sent to me right now. Okay, this is coming in right now. Allegedly, we have the name of the individual who leaked Justice Alito's draft opinion. Okay, so mm. this is not confirmed yet, but I am being sent this right now. His name is Amit Jain. A-M-I-T-J-A-I-N, Amit Jain, knowing he would put the justices' lives at risk to pressure them into changing their minds. Amit Jain is a Sotomayor clerk, a source in, an, in, in other political stories, and signed an anti-Kavanaugh letter. Oh, right, because of the sexual assault gang raping allegations against Brett Kavanaugh. Oh, look at this little creep, this little cog in the deep state wheel yep. who is now doing the work that others don't have the balls to do and yep. has now endangered the lives of these justices amit jane ladies and gentlemen amit jane um google him right now he is a clerk for sotomayor um so perhaps un the primary justice on the court who is actually brain dead unbelievable not surprising um but what's so <laughs> You know, and and I, I kind of we, we kind of suspected this this would be one of the clerks. But what's what's even worse is I can guarantee you right now, this person is going to be hailed by the left as a hero for doing these actions. When we we should all be calling for the treachery and the jailing of this type of a, of a person who, That's right. who would so um, try to, you know, so, so we did this whole thing with the steel dossier. We did this whole thing with Trump collusion, all of this to, to try to 
create this huge story about about you know corruption with Trump and everything. And now here you have a a, a person who is actually interfering with the uh, justice process, actually interfering with. Um, how laws are made and how Supreme right. Court decisions are, are made, putting unbelievable uh, pressure on um, Supreme Court justices to, you know, to basically strong arm them with all types of forces, threats of forces of violence and who knows what now. And I, I can guarantee you nothing will probably happen to this unbelievably immoral person who, who right. leaks such such news, right? So That's right. Um, AJ, um, I am going to say one other thing, and then I would love for you to walk back there. We are going to release this uh, shortly. I would love for people to see once again the demons that are coming out of the woodworks to defend abortion. And if you feel sure. up to it, maybe ask a couple people why they're so intent on defending abortion through point of birth. And let's let sure. the demons speak for themselves if you're open to it. As you walk Absolutely. back there, AJ, I want to make this point. Remember, these are the same people who rent their garments and scream bloody murder when cocaine Mitch McConnell held up the appointment of the current sitting attorney general, Merrick Garland, to the Supreme yes. Court and accuse him of interrupting the American process and the justice system. Um and watch them now in the next 48 hours and two weeks provide cover for this alleged individual, Amit Jain. Yeah. So before I go and walk over there, let me just urge every person here that's watching this and is going to see this to be praying. Right. There's a lot going on right now. There's these unbelievable Amen. pressure. Who knows? There could be death threats, anything on these Supreme Court justices. Please be praying. This is nothing other than a demonic attack, not only against, um, you know, the standards of justice and equality and, and rule of law in this country, but this is also an attack on each and every one of these Supreme Court justices. I, right. I, will be, I will walk over here. I will let you know that this, if for some reason, uh, the closer I get over here, the uh, the worse the cell reception gets, but um, I will We can hear you through, good. I will walk through this, uh, this crowd of people here just so you can understand what's happening and just pray at a punch in the face like my friend 10 minutes ago. Yeah. Excuse me. Excuse me.
You all need to repent. This is wickedness. This is wickedness. I will not. I will not leave, sir. No. So this is what happens when you stand up for under, unborn children. And when you stand up for um, the rights of little children to win. You have people here. Oh, oh. Please, please, Excuse me, sir. Please, 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 are you here telling women what to do with their bodies? My friend, my friend, what about the little I, women in the womb, sir? I'm, te I'm telling you. What about please, the 1,500 women please, in the I womb that you're lynching every single day? What about those people? Lynching. What about those? I would uh, say those are fetuses. Minorities. Okay, so a stage of development. There's cells. So now your inherent rights are dependent on a stage of development. Is that what you're saying? Cells you and I are cells, sir. Well, that's even you are, more. You are a cells without cells. consciousness, cells without any sort of oh, so knowledge. Of so, what other anything. accidental properties are you going to ground personhood and human rights in? Well, Why I not the ability be. to talk? Why well, not the ability to walk? Well, not so much Why were you arbitrarily putting accidental properties that you're going to ground human rights and personhood? Why not well, put I'm them in every say, single human being equally valuable? Well, those fetuses are not. They aren't. They aren't what? Babies. They aren't. Human they aren't babies. Period. What is the definition of a baby, sir? A baby is. What does a, a human fetus baby. mean in Latin, sir? I don't know. What you a don't fetus know. Means. I, I I think that is a truthful answer because it literally means small baby. It means small baby. So this is this is the type of rhetoric and and just absolute insanity you're hearing. Zero response. Zero cogent, um, articulate answers, and just kill babies so I don't have to deal with them dismember children in the womb so that I don't have to deal with this, the, the product of my sexual choices. This is the, um, the utter depravity illustrated in, uh, in representative in not only DC, but America, brother. And, and it's amazing that God in his sovereignty would have the grace to have this type of a decision go down given the moral bankruptcy of our nation, bro. That's Unbelievable. Right. That's right. AJ, you are a hero, brother. Um, you are an absolute hero. Thank you for showing everyone what is happening right now, tonight, Monday, May 2nd, or 1 a.m., May 3rd in Washington, D.C. Seeing the people usher you and force you out of there is is something else to witness. You are, you are a brave soul, brother. We are grateful for you. Um, thank you for being there. We're praying for you. We're praying for your safety, and thank you for exposing this and standing in the gap. My pleasure, brother. Be, we got to be bold because whatever could happen to me in there is nothing compared to happen. What's happening to almost 3,000 children who are literally being dismembered every single day in this country, and many of them feeling every single aspect of their uh, dismemberment and disembowelment. So um, we need to That's stand right. up and, and be bold. Men That's need right. to stand up. So um, anyway, I don't... You know, pray pray for this whole thing, man. It's just unbelievable, the spiritual darkness and, and the demonic activity down here. That's right. Unreal. That's right. There there are spiritual principalities and forces unlike we have anything we have seen in many years. AJ, be safe, brother. Text me when you're home. God bless you. Thanks for your, bro thanks for your friendship, brother. All right, AJ. Wow. Wow. Um... If you don't know A.J. Hurley, you need to go back and listen to our episode Justice for the Five and Infanticide in Washington, D.C. A.J. Hurley was there the day that they removed the babies from the hazardous waste buckets a month ago. 
because some truck driver of a waste management company had the bravery to allow pro-life sidewalk counselors to take some of the buckets of the murdered children he was supposed to take back to his corporate headquarters and photograph these children to expose abortion. Five of those 115 babies were killed at the earliest 27 weeks and the other ones up to 30, 34, 35 weeks. Babies that are a full 10 weeks past the age where they could have been born alive and survived and just been given up for adoption. What was the point of aborting them? Because they have to, because they have to have abortion to maintain their political regime and their sexual libertinism. So that's what A.J. Hurley has been exposing, and he has been on the front lines, as he obviously is tonight, Monday, May 2nd. We're very grateful for him. If you feel led to contribute financially, go to Survivors of the Abortion Holocaust Los Angeles and donate to his ministry. Wow. He prospected between 2,000 and 3,000 people up there tonight within hours, within hours of this Politico piece dropping. And within hours of the political Politico piece dropping, you guys, um, uh, gates, banisters, whatever you call them, were put up in front of the Supreme Court with the prediction and understanding that things might get violent. And a couple pro-lifers have already been punched and trampled on the ground. Of course, of course, those who murder the unborn and call it justice will have no problem doing anything else as well. Now, I want to show you the picture of this individual that we have alleged news was responsible for leaking the Supreme Court justices draft opinion. Okay, this is, I'm saying alleged. I don't have this confirmed, okay? This was just sent to me. This is a tweet by a woman named Kim Snyder. Here's his picture. Amit Jain leaked Justice Alito's draft opinion, knowing he would put the justices' lives at risk to pressure them into changing their minds, and he is a clerk for Sotomayor. Of course, of course. Now, you know, we may not be able to judge Sotomayor. It's too hard to know whether she would have been involved with this. But regardless, Sotomayor is a borderline brain-dead jurist who does everything she can to provide cover for murdering babies in the abortion industry, and this man clerks for her. So we will confirm this on my social media in, in uh, shortly here, but I just wanted you to see this person's face. So... As we wrap up this emergency recording episode tonight, I want to bring back the theological perspective because if you're a Christian, you listen to this show, you understand that abortion is only happening with the permission of the church. As Francis Schaeffer once said, every abortion center ought to have a sign out front that says open with the permission of the church of Jesus Christ. We did an episode a couple weeks back or three or four called the shepherds who became wolves, the Christian leaders, pastors, and authors who have used their platform and their influence to either provide spiritual license for their congregants to vote for pro-abortion Democrats 
have partnered with people like Francis Collins, the disgraced former NIH director who has funded the mastectomies of healthy 13-year-old girls who think they're boys, has funded the studies to track the homosexual activities of teenage boys, and has called for unrestricted funding to embryonic stem cell research, and has committed record-level funding to fetal tissue research, fetal organ harvesting, harvesting the body parts of babies after they were murdered in abortion, including the experiments at the University University of Pittsburgh, where they scalp the heads of late-term aborted babies and insert them subcutaneously on lab rats to create humanized mice to use it to find solutions to staph infections so we can live a little bit longer. And you had Russell Moore, Tim Keller, and Rick Warren praising Francis Collins as a dear Christian brother who the Lord was working through powerfully and who gave Francis Collins their platform to push COVID propaganda lives, most lies, most of which have been proved untrue by now. If you want to get a full coverage of this, go to Daily Wire. Megan Basham. Megan Basham did a bombshell of a piece on the quote-unquote evangelical leaders who pushed COVID propaganda and were borderline kissing the feet of Francis Collins, a pro-abortion hack. My point is this. We had far too many evangelical leaders, pastors, and authors leading up to the 2020 election, okay, leading up to the 2016 election, who said, God doesn't care about your vote, or to quote Tim Keller, you have liberty of conscience to vote for whoever you want, which would mean also the people who lynch babies in the womb and fund it and protect it and run on protecting it, okay, who chastised Christians who voted for Trump, who said that you were a bad Christian and a bad neighbor if you voted for Trump, and who did the same thing again in 2020 and said that being a good Christian means being an evangelical for Biden. Because to quote John Piper, Trump had lots of more obvious sins of pride and Biden had more obvious sins of murdering babies. But who's to say which one's worse, right? Because all sin leads to death, said John Piper. So who's to say which sin is worse? So he conflated the personal sins of pride of the president with the national sin of abortion defended by Biden and then shrugged his shoulders basically in his article to provide spiritual license for Christians to vote for whoever their conscience led them to vote for. But these same people would never say that you could have voted for Stephen Douglas, the racist Democrat who ran against Abraham Lincoln for the 1860 election. These same people would have never said that you could have voted for pro-slavery Democrats, even if they claim to be Christians, because that might be heresy and you might not be worshiping the same Christ. But then they would turn right around and say, but you can totally vote for pro-abortion Democrats. And I say this on the heels of Tim Keller's recent statements, doubling and tripling down on his prior statements, which if you listen to me for any amount of time, you'll know that that I've gone after Tim Keller quite hard because of his comments about how the Bible doesn't tell us which policies are best used to decrease abortions. So therefore, Christians have liberty of conscience, says Keller, to vote for whoever they want. And Tim Keller doubled and tripled down literally just again the other day, 
saying, quote, healthy disagreement, not about biblical morals, but about how those morals are applied to political policies is good, but not something to divide over. Let, let me read that again. Healthy disagreement, not about biblical morals, but about how those morals are applied to political policies is good, but not something to divide over. No matter how much we yell at each other, Christians can disagree about political applications of biblical morals. They're not the same. And he has more of these pieces um, in, this, in this recent tweet uh, thread that he did um, about abortion, where he's saying the same thing he said in September of 2020 when he said that the Bible doesn't prescribe policies. So we need to have healthy disagreement in our churches about which policies we can pursue to end abortion. But again, would Keller ever say this about slavery? Let's translate his words. Quote, healthy disagreement, not about biblical morals, but about how those morals are applied to political policies is good, but not something to divide over. Okay, so if some of your congregants and elders and pastors um, want to decrease slavery, but they still vote for pro-abortion, for pro-slavery Democrats who run on the platform of defending, lynching black people and treating them as property, okay, and enslaving them with no rights whatsoever. But hey, 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 Democrat policies decrease abortion rights. Did you know that some racists actually made this argument leading up to the Civil War? Yes, some of the racists would argue that the states that favored abolition had higher instances of racial violence and racial hate crimes. Let me repeat that. Racists who wanted to protect slavery would sometimes argue that it, it was those pesky Republican states that favored abolition and wanted to abolish slavery that had higher instances of racial violence and hate crimes because Republican policies were taking away the sacrament and idol of plantation owners by saying you can't own black people and treat them like property. So it created more tension and division, which escalated instances of hate crimes and racial violence. So vote for Democrats who will protect slavery because at least we'll maintain the status quo. And so therefore you won't have increased instances of racial hate crimes and violence. But slavery is the instance of racial hate crimes and violence. It's the literal, literal example of treating black people as less than persons. And yet racists would make that argument to discredit Republicans and Republican policies. So would Tim Keller say that individuals who voted for pro-slavery Democrats and called black people non-persons but would like to see the slavery rate like decreased a little bit, that there was room? for those disagreements and it was not something to divide over? No, he wouldn't say that. And if you want a full debunking of Tim Keller, go back and listen to my old, some old Tim Keller episodes, namely the Shepherds Who Became Wolves episode, where I cite him in various public comments where he said that regarding systemic racism, you can't just say that you don't have a role in systemic racism, you do. And even if you didn't own slaves or do anything to perpetuate racism, you have a duty and obligation to do something to 
uproot racism and instances of injustice, even if you aren't personally involved in it. Therefore, voting for the very people who lynch black people and call them non-persons would be an example of participating in systems of injustice and therefore something worth dividing over. But when it comes to abortion, he doesn't believe it's worth dividing over because at the end of the day, Tim Keller is a bigot and doesn't believe the pre-born is intrinsically valuable enough to warrant political protections. So what's my point? If in four, five, six, seven, or eight weeks, Roe versus Wade is overturned, it goes back to the states and millions of unborn children begin to be saved immediately, every secular progressive, Marxist Christian, apolitical Christian, neither left nor right Christian, we just preach the gospel Christian, we don't do politics Christians, needs to eat their words. Because unborn children will begin to be saved at a rate we've never seen before, and the soul of the republic will begin to become alive again as states are able to ban abortion in their states. Why? Because Trump. Because God used a sinful man to accomplish his righteous purposes. And if you've read the Old Testament, maybe you know that God's in the habit and likes using people who don't worship him to accomplish his purposes, to use evil degenerates because he's sovereign and can do whatever he wants to accomplish his righteous purposes. Who put three Supreme Court justices on the courts? Oh, right, Trump. The three justices who are currently, according to the leaked papers from Politico, are planning to overturn Roe versus Wade. While Ed Stetzer and Russell Moore and Rick Warren and J.D. Greer and Mark Dever and Tim Keller said that you can vote for Democrats, it doesn't matter, God doesn't care about your vote, and the Christian church shouldn't get political. And now we're tearing down the child sacrifice of Moloch, which God said in the Old Testament is sacrificed to demons. Why? Because a bunch of Christians and a bunch of secularists who are not Christians did more to protect the unborn than the alleged shepherds of the sheep did. Because they're shepherds who became wolves. As I say, I guess they're trans species, not transgender, but transspeciesism. They move from shepherds to wolves and are now preying on the very small animals that they were sworn to protect. Unbelievable. Take note if Roe versus Wade gets overturned, text every woke Christian, progressive pastor, and we're not political pastor about what God did through atheists, secularists, deists, and, and what, what, what does Tim Keller and Ed Stetzer label me, people like me, Christian nationalists who did more to protect the unborn than the pastors of this land. We need to finish this episode by saying that, that if Roe v. Wade gets overturned, it won't be because of some of the most public pastors in this land. It will be because of those without a platform who care more about righteousness life and honoring Christ than they did about their reputation in the public square, the tithing of their registered Democrats at their church, and the accolades or crumbs from the table of secular progressivism. We are tearing down the high places, and if Samuel Alito and the other justices stand by their word— when they said that we cannot allow the opinions of the broader culture to influence our decisions 
And if they hold the line, then in a few weeks here, we will be overturning this generation's Dred Scott. Another decision that labeled an entire class of human beings non-persons. And the pastors and shepherds of this land will have to give an account to the church and an account to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, the Savior of the universe who entered human history as an unborn child a fetus, a zygote, to redeem mankind from their sins as to why they couldn't simply get a little bit uncomfortable to save millions and millions of babies in the very location that Christ entered human history in to redeem mankind from their sins. Roe versus Wade is falling. The high places are crumbling. Find your place on the wall to rebuild a culture of life. I'm Seth Gruber, and this is Unaborted.